The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guests on Off the Shelf are from Booz Allen Hamilton. Bob Litsky, he is Vice President, leading uh, Booz Allen's business efforts in the Eastern Pacific. Matt Carter, uh, also Vice President, Rear Admiral, U.S. Navy, retired. Michael Collat, who is a principal with Booz Allen, and Ed Barnabas, who is the Vice President. And today we're going to talk about mission support in the Indo-Pacific region, the challenges, opportunities, how it has evolved over time, and the role Booz Allen Hamilton plays in, in supporting uh, the federal government, in particular, the Department of Defense, uh, in a very challenging part of the world and in a very challenging time. So, guys, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Roger. Good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, I, I think we'll just start to level set and get some of the history, presence, culture, strategy around Booz Allen Hamilton's support of federal mission in the Indo-Pacific. And I'm going to start with you, Bob. And can you talk a little bit about Pusana Hamilton and the mission support it provides in the Indo-Pacific region. Yeah, thanks, Roger. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'll start with a little bit, just a little bit of background on, on Booz Allen. You know, Booz Allen goes way back. It's over a hundred year old company. We really created the, the whole concept of management consulting. Um, but throughout the years, we've really evolved the company and kind of changed with the times. And today, you know, we built upon that heritage uh, and we've really woven in advanced technology solutions to meet our, our clients' missions. And um, the, the core of the business today across New Zealand is really heavily focused on U.S. government, but we do have um, some commercial clients as well. Out here in the Indo-Pacific, we've got a long-time presence here. We've had a full-time presence in the islands here in Hawaii uh, since the early 90s, supporting uh, Indo-PACOM and many of the other component organizations here. But our, our initial presence actually started our first project, really, was uh, in 1961, for uh, a private school here in Hawaii, Kamehameha Schools, and we wrote a strategy for them. For the listeners who are not in Hawaii, that may not mean a lot, but Kamehameha Schools is a very, very important part of history, culture, and the values of Hawaii. And when we look at them, they, they really give a lot of uh, credibility to our really partnering with the community here in Hawaii. And um, anyways, we, we did a kickoff project with them uh, several years ago uh, like four or five years ago, and their chief counsel, who was the main client, came out and he brought a copy, a binder about four inches thick and laid it on the table. And he said, this is the strategy you guys did for us in 1961. And they had yellow tabs all through it. And he said, we actually still reference this today. So that's the kind of results that endure that, that we take a lot of great pride in and, uh, here in Hawaii, but really across the firm. You're talking about a document that's still relevant to an organization 62 years later. I mean, that tells you something about the quality of the work and the understanding to me, which is one of the keys, the understanding of that, the mission of that organization and be able to translate that. And so can you talk a little bit about that, how you, you work shoulder to shoulder with your clients and supporting mission and how that in a certain sense provides a key perspective that enhances the capabilities that you bring to support. Mission? Yeah, absolutely. Roger. I, I mean, that, that is, 
right in our sweet spot. We like to say that uh, we're at the intersection of mission and technology. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, we're, we're there on site with our clients, with them every day, working shoulder to shoulder, partnering with them. And we have a deep, deep mission understanding uh, because of that. And what we do is at the firm, we're investing heavily in advanced technology solutions. And we're able to bring those two things together to really take on their most complex challenges. And that's really what that is all about. And we've done that here with our core clients, which is uh, U.S. Indo-PACOM, the service components here in Hawaii, and the subunified commands around the region. When you talk about those clients and the variations on them, the experience in, in different types of mission support, how does that all sort of come together? Yeah, that's a really good question, Roger. And I, um, I guess I'll start by saying maybe going back a little bit to how we really started the business here. Uh, and it was supporting U.S. Indo-PACOM in their exercise and training, working large-scale multinational exercises. And what that does is it gets you inside something that the Department of Defense calls their OODA loop, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. And what, what I mean by that is it you really start to understand their mission and their challenges, which is really the key to it all. Because that's why we're there. We're there to help them with those, those mission challenges. So by doing that and really understanding the breadth of their challenges and needs, we are able to then come in and, and help them across a broader range of things. And today, we're really supporting everything from strategy, plans, intelligence, operations, still strong business and exercise and training, although that continues to evolve in how we do it, cyber, logistics, and really, it's about bringing in technology solutions to all of those key mission areas. One of the things that interests me and when we you know, talked about this and prep for the interview is just some of the things that are unique to Booz Allen in terms of what you bring to the table and what you're trying to do, and particularly in the Indo-Pacific region. And I know there are three particular areas that stand out. Can you just, we have about two minutes left. Can you cover those three key areas that you, that we mentioned in prep for the interview? Yeah, those three things really it's, it's around investing in talent and we've committed to bringing talent to the region as well as developing talent. The second is really investing in our facilities and our infrastructures. And we have offices in Honolulu, South Korea, and Okinawa, Japan. And we're really excited about the, we have brand new next-gen offices in, in Honolulu and Korea. Here in Hawaii, we've invested in building out a state-of-the-art innovation center that provides linkage into all of our uh, innovation hubs around the firm. So it brings much, much greater capability to, uh, to our teams and our clients. And, and I'd say the, the, the third one is really the partnership with our communities. And culturally, we really like to think of ourselves as part of the fabric of our community. And we take it very seriously, our, our responsibility to be able to create rewarding and meaningful jobs right here in, in the communities we serve. And we feel like by doing that and bringing the type of work and talent that we are bringing to the region, we're helping diversify the economy and we're making a difference in the community. Our, our folks are really committed to getting involved locally. And we do that in a number of ways through STEM education, university partnerships, internship programs. Here in Hawaii, we're combating uh, human trafficking. Uh, we're a big part of the ALS community. The list really goes on and on. But uh, I think our people take great pride in that. And we're able to do it again, like I said, with our people, but also bring capabilities to how we support those organizations. That's really top shelf stuff, you know, the investments in communities. And I, and I was, when you were describing that, I, I was curious, is there anything you could point to what, that's unique or different 
in terms of the recruiting and supporting the community in Hawaii, you know, on the island, as opposed to on the mainland? Are there challenges there in terms of how much talent is available and how you have to focus your investments? So is there any unique aspect from that perspective? You know, I think the unique aspect of it is this this is a very uh, dynamic market, a lot of demand these days. And um, at the end of the day, it's a pretty small town, right? I mean, there's only 1.4 million people in the whole state of Hawaii, about a million on this island. So, you know, when you think about that and put it in kind of context of, you know, where you are back on the East Coast, that's a really small pool to draw from. But we also, we do take great pride in recruiting heavily from the local universities. Um, And one of the other things I'd say we do that uh, we've found great success in is, um, we almost consider it a best practice, and that's finding individuals that are born and raised in Hawaii who have left the islands and want to come back home. And we find a lot of times at the five, ten-year point in their career, they're you know looking at settling down, having kids. That's about the time they say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to go back and raise my family in Hawaii. And we've hired countless people that kind of fit into that category, and they're some of the best we have because uh, they have that understanding of the islands, the culture, and they're, they're really grateful that they can come back. Right. And I, I mean, I think I would think also those kind of folks, too, that they've been out and, you know, experienced, you know, different places and worked in different cultures in a certain sense. And then coming back home, they bring that strength of experience as well. And, you know, sort of that varied viewpoint probably strengthens, you know, Booz Allen and the support you provide as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say, you know, just kind of piggybacking on that, that is something that we've implemented uh, just in the last couple of years is a rotational model to really entice people to go out and take on opportunities out in some of the more remote places around the region where we'll put a good package together, move them out for two or three years, and then move them back and ensure that they'll have a good landing spot when they come back. And that's that's made a huge difference in our ability to staff uh, in some of the more remote locations here in the region. Right. So, Bob, we're up on the break right now, uh, but when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion of Booz Allen and mission support in the Indo-Pacific, focusing on transformative delivery. My guests today are Bob Litsky. He is vice president. Matt Carter, vice president. Ed Barnabas, who is the vice president. And Mike Collette, principal, all from Booz Allen. And we're talking about Booz Allen Hamilton support uh, mission in the Indo-Pacific. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf and Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton, um, senior leadership focusing on Indo-Pacific mission support for the Department of Defense and others. Bob Litsky is vice president. Matt Carter is also vice president. Mike Collette um, is a principal at Booz Allen Hamilton. And Ed Barnabas, who is the vice president. And, um, and Ed, we're going to start with you in this segment. And can you talk a little bit about this buzzword kind of transformative delivery. And I know Bob in the first segment talked a lot about the intersection between mission and technology and delivering solutions to meet customer agency mission. Can you talk transformative delivery from a Booz Allen perspective? Well, thanks for having us, Roger. I appreciate it. Um, Well, I think transformative delivery is not that different from how sort of any human being would think about technology, right? And how it affects how you interact with the world and how, not just in your community, but your family, amongst other people. And it's it's rooted really in the age-old problem of keeping up with rapidly evolving technologies. That could be hardware, software. It can be new cutting-edge solutions. 
But that's really what any nation or industry or society deals with. But within national security and defense, you know, I would probably say it's exacerbated with the proliferation of sensors, uh, more data. We mention it all the time, but the growing use of artificial intelligence and prediction, there's new, more robust networks, like 5G, and there's more mature cyber threats with bad actors and also ways in which we need to leverage it. But the way the mission is carried out today is not going to be the same tomorrow. How we conduct those very core missions in the region from ISR to training and exercises, design and posture, it's all dynamic and we must be able to adapt. So really it's about how we use technology and keep, but hopefully outpace our adversaries is really key to how we win during competition, but not just in conflict. Yeah, so that application of technology and all this data um, that's coming in, then you have, you know, this outdated installed base of technology. So can you talk a little bit about how you're adjusting and, you know, addressing, you know, sort of that installed base as the mission evolves and change and the amount of data that the government is collecting and supporting and analyzing to be able to accomplish that mission? How do you impact that through your technology? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the key word there is balance, right? So we almost need to be working in a, in a parallel type of structure with our clients um, and also with the mission. There's the need to look at extremely cutting edge solutions, could be around quantum. Again, we mentioned artificial intelligence, but there is also the ask for many of our clients of just how to modernize from things like you said, aging infrastructure, outdated machines that they're working with. It's interesting when our client asks that we would like to look at something like reinforcement learning around wargaming, but then they say our workforce takes five minutes to log on to their machines, right? So not only do we have to look at cutting edge solutions, but we really have to help them kind of navigate the very, which sometimes can be challenging and long transformation process just for the organizations to become more technology and data aware. So the balance is critical because in this region, especially time is not a luxury for our clients in terms of our adversaries. So we really view our role as that we can help navigate both ends of the spectrum, which is knowing that the warfighter needs solutions to what um, our clients say is to fight the fight tonight. We also need to help them with foundational capabilities that help them have long-term transformation. So it's really striking that balance between what's realistic and what you do today, but also where you have to look at these very complex solutions that we really are non-negotiable in terms of how we keep up with our adversaries. Yeah, and one of the things that Booz Allen emphasizes and you talked a lot about is delivering solutions, not just support. And as a customer, I think I understand what that means, but you can you talk about from your perspective and the value you, you deliver to support the mission, what you know, solution versus support is all about? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it for me is, is uh, goes back to, well, first of all, what the mission needs to require which are more and more technology, which we're, we're talking about. So that in turn has changed how our clients are buying, right? So the buying pattern in the region has evolved, um, especially in the past four years that I've been here. Historically, our clients are keenly aware of what they need to be successful, but I wouldn't say they were 100% focused on developing technical solutions, at least locally, but instead they relied on a lot of the technology that was built at um, the headquarters level. The focus is really on traditional readiness, but... Readiness today, again, is defined differently than how it was years ago, and that does require embracing technology. So a lot of our clients are no longer just consumers of technology and solutions, at least regionally, but they're more and more creators of solutions. 
um, as opposed to consumers. And so what that means is their buying pattern in the past was we need bodies to do extremely complex work, right? But mission focused work and they need to be sitting with us shoulder to shoulder and looking at these complex kind of needs that are coming down for the commander to make a decision. But now what they're looking for is I don't just need bodies, but I need solutions that enable my organization to be able to make decisions in real time or near real time. And what that means is instead of kind of looking for services in terms of the, the great people we have, it's also the people and what we bring from a technology perspective. And so that doesn't necessarily always mean having folks sitting shoulder to shoulder. That work can be done maybe globally, right? But it's really about how do I quantify the need of a solution versus just people that I need on contract? And so that's been a culture shift for our clients in the region. But I do think it is one that has come at a pretty fast pace in which they really embraced it. And I think we're able now to have a conversation that does lend itself to providing them what they need. But that's been a key change, I would think, in the region. Yeah, that's a great explanation because when you when you described it, I was thinking about that support person sitting shoulder to shoulder, basically maintaining the infrastructure that already exists rather than the idea of building a solution to evolve the capability to the next level. That's what I got out of what you described there. And I think one of the things, I think you did mention budgets. So the budgets today and the mission today, more importantly, but you need the money to meet the mission too, really drive the idea that you've got to be more efficient, more effective, and do more with less in a certain sense, which seems to me drives towards solution as opposed to the idea of, you know, having bodies sitting there, you know, just doing the, the same old thing. Is that, that's kind of my impression of what, what I heard. Is that fair? It's fair. There's a little bit of caveat there. So, but, um, you know, as our clients collaborate to develop solutions um, and with Pacific Deterrence Initiative or PDI funding that has now been signed by Congress, there will be more funding in the region, but it doesn't mean that all of our clients are now have a blank check, right? Or that they can right. kind of do innovation or kind of research and anything. They still have to be mindful about what they're buying. And because what they're buying or what they develop, they're essentially going to now be owning, which is kind of, again, a different, ask than what they've done before, which is about readiness and keeping the warfighter right in the region. It's now actually looking at the how you're looking at technology in terms of how to enable the warfighter. So they need these solutions, but I think the differences between regionally and sort of at the command level is we all might agree we need technology to enhance what we do, but I think the difference is our regional clients need to integrate those solutions faster. Right. So even though now they're looking at a different buying pattern, they don't have the luxury of saying we like that really great idea or prototype. So now we're going to give you funding to develop that over X amount of time. They're really asking for is we're going to give you funding because we like what we have seen. But the funding is for you to integrate that quickly and to deploy it to the warfighter. So even though that they're embracing a different buying pattern and looking at technology to enable the fight, they still need things at a faster clip. And they don't have the luxury, again, which I mentioned before, of sort of enabling things to be in, you know, uh, research and development and per perpetuity, right? It needs to be something that understands what the users need, understands what the warfighter needs. It understands their constraints, meaning from an infrastructure perspective, a security perspective. So I think what Booz Allen does is that we really internalize all those constraints, right? So that when we're showing a solution or a prototype, it's already baked in. So the speed in which we're showing an idea or a solution into actually being a usable capability. We're trying to shrink that cycle, right? So the funding, yes, is growing, but it doesn't mean that 
the ask of us to provide something that has a lot of fidelity is changing. We need to be even more focused on that. Right. Thanks, Ed. And you know what? We're up on the break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of Booz Allen Hamilton's Indo-Pacific support of uh, the Department of Defense. And my guests today are Bob Litsky, Vice President, Matt Carter, Vice President, Ed Barnabas, Vice President, and Mike Colat is a principal, all from Booz Allen Hamilton. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm here with Booz Allen Hamilton. We're focusing on Booz Allen Hamilton's mission support and the challenges of the Indo-Pacific region. My guests are Bob Litsky, Vice President, Matt Carter, Vice President, Ed Barnabas, recently promoted Vice President, and Michael Colat, who is a principal at Booz Allen Hamilton. And uh, Michael, we'll start this segment off with you. And, you know, in the first segment, Bob talked uh, a bit about um, the intersection of mission and technology. And really, to me, that's how technology supports the solutions that are developed. Can you talk a little bit, expand on that just a bit about the keys that technology plays, you know, in that and what that intersection means? Absolutely, Roger, and thanks for the opportunity to talk with you about this important topic. I think that uh, when we say that mission intersection of mission and technology, um, it kind of gets to what Ed talked about earlier, right? It's not technology for technology's sake. It is really at the end of the day about how we can actually affect change in the way the clients conduct their missions and make them more capable in doing that. So that's what it's about, and that's why we talk about solutions rather than just services. I, I think about it just using the old axiom of, of helping our clients um, learn how to fish rather than just giving them fish. Right? The, the goal is to help them make them more capable, not to breed dependence uh, upon us going forward. Uh, so that's, that's our measure of success. And, and I think that requires a slightly different approach um, in how we do things, which is what we're describing today. I think it also implies maybe a slightly different approach to the way the government pursues acquisitions and, and contracts. And, and we've seen, some of that recently with the way the government has been employing more flexible contract vehicles that are not quite so specific in the requirements and the tasks and, and the contractor shall do this and do that, but provide a little bit more flexibility in how it gets done, actually, but, but, but providing sort of the, the outcomes uh, that are desired. Uh, that's an incredibly important thing to do when trying to purchase solutions like this, which frankly, are a journeys of discovery a lot of time for the clients to work through these things as they go along. If, if they knew exactly what needed to be done and had that all planned out, they could certainly you know, ask for that in advance. But a lot of times it's, it's a matter of working together, as we've said, shoulder to shoulder to explore the solution space with our clients. And Michael, I, one of the things I wanted to follow up on that is you talked about the solutions and you know providing the capability of fish instead of fishing for the organization in, in a certain sense. And uh, from that perspective, providing a solution, uh, and you mentioned acquisition planning, so I want to touch on it real quick. A flexible contract is really a contract here we're talking about that is objective-based. It's performance-based rather than prescriptive. So there's training involved in that perspective on the government side. How do you do that? How do you measure success when it's objective-based? You don't have this prescriptive set of capabilities or features or throughput that you're measuring by spec of specification. But also, I think it also requires certain capabilities on a part of the company or the company that's doing the work like Booz Allen 
in terms of creativity, understanding the mission, like the things that you can't really can't put a, the value of them to your ability to provide that support can't be understated. And that really is, you know, when you're talking about people and the support and investment in people and also under, requires understanding the region and what's going on in the region from that capability. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, it was highlighted in the first segment, how long Booz Allen has been in the region and how the role you play in the community and how you bring folks up. Can you talk a little bit about, well, additionally expand on what you do in that area? Indeed, that's a huge part of what we do because as you alluded to earlier, and it's an old construct, it's nothing new, but our solutions, you know, can along three components of people, process, and technology, right? That's a really old construct, but it's, it's still um, incredibly valid. And so we've talked a lot about technology. We've talked a little bit about the people, but you're right. That is a, that is a very big part as we develop new technologies and new solutions. A large part of that is the developing our people and uh, increasing our workforce uh, capabilities. And we do that through, in large measure, through partnership with our communities, that's no more important way and no more important impact um, than working. Like we work with our clients shoulder to shoulder, work with our community shoulder to shoulder to understand the talent that's out there and, and build relationships and pipelines in order to be able to leverage, develop and leverage that talent. As Bob mentioned at the beginning, we, we have a long history here in the region starting in Hawaii in the early 60s. And I think that really traces back to sort of the starting point of our understanding of that client in you know, this area, because that, that client is a very, very important one that the Kamehameha Schools, uh, as run by the Bishop Estate, uh, has a really important mission in community development, and it's all rooted in providing opportunities for the Native Hawaiian population. That's really where it came from. So I, I look back at that as sort of a, maybe a starting point of where the arc of, of understanding the community needs and where we fit into that started there. Right, and that kind of forms a basis of your ability to recruit, you know, on the islands and also bring folks, as Bob mentioned, bring folks back from the mainland who want to, you know, put down roots or, you know, and raise families back at home. Um, it's interesting stuff. And, you know, and I know there's a lot of, um, it, when you're talking about contributions to community, there's a fair, there's a lot of pro bono type stuff that who's Allen Hamilton does uniquely in, in Hawaii. Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, I want to ask you about one in particular. Yeah, certainly. I would say that we have a very, uh, I guess the conversation is very Hawaii centric. I, I did want to highlight that, you know, we're looking at across the region. So um, in the Western Pacific as well, too, our, our offices and our teams that are in Japan and Korea and elsewhere. So it's a very broad portfolio that we work with, but, but you're right. And Hawaii is being the sort of the center of gravity uh, for that. That's when, where a lot of our efforts have been concentrated uh, and we kind of view, as, as Bob alluded to, that our uh, we view our missions not just as, as helping our clients and you know generating um, revenue and value for our shareholders, but in actually being able to provide meaningful, well-paying jobs that diversifies the economy and, you know, frankly, um, helps to lead to community resilience by doing that, which was severely tested uh, here recently you know, during the pandemic. It's, it's a, uh, a big challenge. Hawaii was very successful in having one of the lowest COVID rates in the nation, but it also bore a very high cost in terms of economic impact, about the highest in the nation as well. So we were actually very fortunate to be able to conduct some uh, pro bono activities and leverage the uh, about $10 million in community assistance that the firm did across the community 
and, and bringing about two million of that to, uh, to pro bono work here in, in Hawaii, working one with the Bishop Museum um, as another another example, like where we started back there, um, working to develop a, a digital futures initiative and help them understand kind of how to become a museum of the future through uh, digitizing. We work with a fantastic organization called Ho'ola Nakua, which helps to combat human trafficking in the areas, especially uh, of minors. And uh, we developed a data platform for them to help bring in um, inf- digital information in order to help develop digital solutions to a very human problem. Right. And that's the investments in the community are, in my view, are fundamental to, you know, the ultimate success of the community itself and mm-hmm. you as a, as a, as a citizen in that community. But I wanted to ask you about one thing in particular that caught my eye is that the FIRST Robotics. And, you know, my understanding, Michael, is that you also serve as a regional director of FIRST Robotics competition in Hawaii. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Because it seems to me that's bringing technology to, you know, the youth of Hawaii to try to support their, you develop the skills and the interest in innovation and technology that will serve them well as they move forward in their, in their lives. That, that's exactly right. And, you know, that's, that's a mission that's near and dear to my heart for the uh, reasons you just listed. Booz Allen is a big supporter of FIRST across the country, but especially here in Hawaii. And uh, it's kind of no wonder why, if you look at, if you understand what the kids do, if you've ever been to these competitions, they build some very elaborate robots to ch- tackle a specific challenge. They have hardware fabricators, they have software folks, they have coders. So they bring a multidisciplinary approach to solve a particular problem, and they do that in a competitive and collaborative fashion. Right? So when you look at that, that sounds a lot like what Booz Allen does, right? Right. Yeah, so it's no wonder that we really support that. And, you know, it's been really good for us uh, as well, too, because we've had a number of uh, uh, interns who have uh, found out about Booz Allen through First Robotics that have joined us as interns and then and now are now employees and are actually mentoring other interns and also helping First Robotics. So we kind of started building that circle of life. And that's something we're really proud of. And on that note, we do have to take our break. We have one more segment left. And I think we're going to look forward to the future, the evolving nature of work and the challenges and how Booz Allen is itself evolving to support future mission needs in the Indo-Pacific. My guests today are Bob Litsky, Vice President, Matt Carter, Vice President, Ed Barnabas, who's the Vice President, and Michael Colat, who is the Principal from Booz Allen Hamilton in the Indo-Pacific. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton in the Indo-Pacific region, um, Hawaii and Japan to be specific. My guests are Bob Liskey, Vice President, Matt Carter, Vice President, Ed Barnabas, who is the Vice President, and Michael Collat, who is a principal, uh, all supporting the federal government's mission in the Indo-Pacific region. So guys, welcome back to the show. And you know, I'm going to start this segment with you, Matt. And I want to look forward now. We've talked a lot about what's currently going on in terms of mission support that Booz Allen is, is providing and where key trends are going. But just bigger picture, what do you see the future looking like for mission support and Booz Allen Hamilton's role in the Indo-Pacific? Yeah, thanks, Rod. appreciate that question. I think it's a really bright future going forward because it's, to me, it's a continuation of everything that Bob, Ed, and Michael talked about. We're not going to change that, right? That's what's made us successful in the region for so many years. So we're going to continue that even as the world changes. 
So I think it's very bright. I think we're fully committed to the region. We've been here for 60 or so years, and that won't change. And that's both supporting our clients and supporting our communities, as my colleagues have talked about. All of us know that the Pacific region is just way too important to the United States. And so we'll be here to support our clients and ensuring the Pacific remains free and open. In supporting our clients, I'd like to think of Booz Allen as a force multiplier, since we're the ones providing a deep mission expertise and continuity of service to the active duty force. Being prior military, I used to move around every two to three years. And so the, that's what the active duty does. But we remain with our clients for five years or if not longer. And we bring that mission expertise so that as the new military comes in, they don't have to relearn everything over and over again. Uh, so very deep understanding what each client does. And so doing, we enable a more ready, relevant, and lethal force uh, for DOD by being present throughout the region. I also think it's uh, equally as important, and this goes back to what Ed talked about in conjunction with deep mission expertise, is the uh, delivering technological solutions to our clients today. We have an ability to do that where we turn quick products to help the client with their solutions they need today and not exquisite capabilities that takes years to build. The geopolitical situations we read about all the time in the newspapers uh, is changing. It's changed dynamically, uh, and there's a lot of threats out there. And so there's a, a lot of talk about accelerated timelines and that the future is closer than many think or really want to believe. So for our clients, we're delivering solutions, we're delivering the mission expertise, and we're making an impact today. And then finally, uh, the other thing that I think is really important that Booz Allen brings to the team is we invest so heavily in our community has been talked about by my colleagues so far. We don't simply look at the communities as it's just a place to work, but a place to partner with, enhance, and grow, and to give back. If we look at uh, some of the examples that uh, my team has talked about here with Hawaii, we've been involved in the Bishop Museum, ALS Association, YWCA of Oahu, First Robotics, and the universities, to name a few. We also do a lot of hiring and employment of military spouses as they roll throughout the region. And we employ them and bring their expertise too. We hire interns from local universities as well as numerous retiring military that want to stay in Hawaii in this, in this particular case. And so we're always invested in the community by keeping the talent there. And that's really going to uh, bring a resilient and experienced workforce for the future. And that's what helps DOD out. To summarize this, Roger, I would tell you the future for Booz Allen is really, really bright in Booz Allen and in Pacific and I'll be honest with you, Bob, Ed, Michael, and I are really happy to be part of it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, about the future, and one of the things that you mentioned about the fight tonight, the idea of, you know, we don't have time for elegant, perfect solutions here. You've got to get something, whether it's the warfighter or whoever, in real time to be able to support current mission. But part of that, too, is the truly joint approach to operations and meeting you know, mission requirements and, you know, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whoever. I know, uh, Matt, you're a retired uh, rear admiral. Just how does Booz Allen look at that? Because you, know, you, you can look about, and data sharing is, is vital, right, in today's world to be able to meet mission requirements for, for the customer. How are you looking at or what do you see in the future with regard to addressing, like, legacy systems that are stovepiped and that sort of thing and and trying to create that cross ability to share data information. Let me answer that. Uh, and Ed may want to jump on this here in a second, but I'm going to take, uh, I'll answer that in a context that each one of our employees is very, very passionate about working for the particular client. 
and understanding as we talk about with the deep mission expertise. But the other thing that Booz Allen brings is we're very collaborative. So although I may be working in a Navy market and Michael may, may be working in an aerospace market, we do a lot of talking back and forth across solutioning. Uh, and so we're not so much just stovepiped into our particular clients and what they require, but we collaborate across the whole, whole uh, Booz Allen uh, workforce throughout the Pacific. And we know what each one is working on and what each is one of the So we bring the best solutions to multiple clients. Ed, anything you'd like to add to that? Matt, I think our historical stance on providing technology solutions is really rooted in one word. Uh, and my team says I use it all the time, <laughs> but it is a very true concept is we are agnostic about how we take solutions to the client. And I think that's really important in today's technology landscape. There's a lot of companies, really good companies, investing in bespoke solutions or kind of platforms or systems that really rely on what they're bringing from a very specific way to the client. And what our clients really want is to make sure that, yes, if you're bringing something unique to the fight, it still needs to be interoperable. It still needs to communicate with other systems. Um, and it still needs to fit in with, like you said, some of these legacy systems, right? One of our key clients has really stressed upon us when we have conversations is, I'm always looking for Booz Allen to bring new things to the table, but I also need you to help me make our legacy systems relevant, right? And that means that, Aging systems have to talk with new systems. And I think what's really important when you talk about a joint concept is really around the really military looking around JADC2, joint all domain command and control. And that really requires very mindful and deliberate integration between everything that needs to talk to each other, right? Because data is data. There's lots of things everywhere, but it's useless unless you can correlate it. And it can be sitting in a place in where it can be consumable and where you can put analytics onto it. And that requires a very mindful approach to how you can have things talk to each other. And I think that's what us and even our competitors or even when working with our clients to really think how we can have an integration layer between all of these disparate things. When, when you put them together, really brings um, commander's intent to life, right? Which is really to take all these disparate data put it together and to make real-time decisions. And so I think that's where Buzan brings something that's baked into our heritage is around being agnostic. And it's really just trying to bring the right thing to any problem set. Yeah, I kind of pile on to that, Roger. I, I really like sure. what you said before about, um, about legacy systems. And in fact, I thought that was interesting because that's something our, one of our most forward-looking clients actually challenged us to do, which was to make legacy, their legacy systems relevant. Right? rather than trying to build the exquisite solutions, as we, as we mentioned. Um, that's their challenge, which is driven in large part back to the beginning by the urgency of the threat and the need for capability now rather than later. Um, and so, yeah, so, like I said, you know, a huge amount of that is, is really the reason that the legacy systems are challenged is because they're stovepiped and they don't share data real well across. So the fastest way to do that is just make the data accessible and build that integration layer that then will help and rather than building a, a whole new joint system that's all fully integrated, let's take the things that are there and just create that, the integration layer that, that brings them together. And, and that's probably the best way to, to deliver jointness in the fastest way. And one final question really got about, and this, I don't know how you answer this question, 30 seconds left, but the thing I'm, I'm also, I'm visualizing the Indo-Pacific region. And it is a just, you know, it's a distributed vast place and, you know, U.S. mission, touches every corner of it in, in the lower always, right? And you just saw, you know, the Philippines, 
you know, new agreements between the U.S. government there. So there's new places that, you know, we are going to be at least have the capability to go there and move them forward. How does that vastness impact how you, you know, you have stovepipes, you have joint mission and you have vastness. Does that, as a layperson, does that make any sense or does how does that impact Looking across geography, I think what's one of the things that the pandemic has really helped across society is just, you know, collaboration in general is really important. And we have always been very collaborative as, a, as an organization. The ability to do that with technology for our clients, I think, has leapfrogged over the last three years uh, because now they're much more comfortable using platforms just like this to uh, to have those conversations. And I think the fact that we are uh, supporting every major command in the region, we actually function as part of the fabric to pull that together as well. And our clients come to us all the time to say, hey, what, do you, what are your teams doing in support of organization X? And we're able to help in that collaborative discussion. Right. I think we have to end there, but I'd say that's a, to me, that's a big strength. If you are, you have the ability to collaborate and you're working with across various compartments elements of the Department of Defense, that's a strength as an organization to be able to to find those data sharing solutions and that sort of thing. So I want to thank my guest today, Bob Litsky, Vice President, Buzel Hamilton, Matt Carter, Vice President, Buzel Hamilton, Ed Barnabas, who's also Vice President, Buzel Hamilton, and Michael Colat, who is a principal. Thank you guys for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This is Off the Shelf. I'm Roger Waldron. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.